FYI, and I don't mean fake news, this podcast contains huge spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 264 of the podcast that goes snicked. Up all oh, night yes. with Jason and Georgia. <laughs> we are up all Baby. night. X Men Blues Edition. <laughs> so, Georgia, what's shaking you this evening? Like a Blue, baby. I'm just feeling all blue. <laughs> That's right. Well, you may be wondering where our boy Dan is. But he's getting his uh, electronics enhanced. And by that, I mean he's replacing his cybernetic parts. <laughs> I just felt like a Colonel Sanders there. <laughs> I tried. I tried. I tried. <laughs> Oh, man, that's right. It's sexy time here on the podcast that goes snicked. We got some sexy, sexy comic books. <laughs> here to uh, catch up on your post-Thanksgiving blues. Um, <laughs> we have some X-Books. So, Georgie, what is shaking, man? Hey, Jason. It's nice to uh, be recording this at night. Uh, it need to sort of dull the pain with a, a couple of things before we dive into these bad books. <laughs> what is your uh, what's your poison of choice this evening? Uh, right now I'm with uh, a dark porter, but a little bit lighter uh, for maybe I'll, I'll open in, in celebration when we finish. <laughs> nice, nice. I'm doing a SoCo and Coke. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Anything to, to dull the pain. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so unfortunately, Dan's uh, he's going to be out of pocket for a, a few weeks with us, but he will be back. Never you worry. Um, I think we're all excited for uh, X-Men Red, so we'll hop back on that train for sure. Um yeah, baby. Yeah, these books, uh, not so much. <laughs> not to, not to blow it all in the first couple of sentences here, but um, not a lot to enjoy <laughs> in this episode. <laughs> Unfortunately, especially if you're a fan of Wolverine, there's yeah. nothing. Right, really, not neither good nor bad. Um. Yeah, but um, anyway, we're going to talk about some X-Books. We'll uh, maybe swing into some um, upcoming news at the end a little bit. Uh, some of the stuff we uh, tweeted about today, we might might talk about a little bit of that just to kind of bring up the mood a little bit. <laughs> but um, Oh, yeah. That's right. But um, anyway, yeah, we're going to talk about some, some X-Books. Um have a couple of issues of X-Men Blue. We got some Weapon X. We're going to we're going to finish some stories and start some new ones. How about that? I'm all about finishing these up for sure. <laughs> yeah, these first two books uh we're going to talk about had some pretty uh 
pretty drawn out uh, stories going on, but um, they're done finally. So. <laughs> hey, they're done. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, you want to jump into some comics? Let's do it, man. <laughs> I have a bad feeling this episode is gonna be like ten minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> We'll see if we can chase some rabbits or something. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> anyway, we're going to start off with X-Men Blue number 15, Mojo Worldwide Part 6, because there needed yeah. to be six of them. Um, written by Colin Bunn, art by Jorge Molina, colors by Matt Mia, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna, and the cover by Arthur Adams and... Federico Blay or Blee. Um, what do you think of this cover? On the cover, we have Mojo with his spider legs, um, choke holding long shot on top of a pile of uh, unconscious X Men. In concept, I really like the cover. Um, it's it's drawn fairly well. I don't feel like Art Adams is particularly doing like sexy women posing, which is nice. It's a nice change. It, it, it's not bad. It might be... I'll just say this. The artwork in this book was a step up from, from previous the previous issue. Yeah. Yeah, a couple of things about the cover that I enjoyed. Little, little small details. I like the varicose veins on Mojo. <laughs> and particularly on his underside of his belly. And I like wow. the choice that our ad has made to give us some uh, sexy, hairy abs on Old Man Logan with the, the pulled-up T-shirt. Oh, yeah. 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 Anyway, that's our highlights. <laughs> so what happens in this book? You might, all right. I'm going to throw something out there to our listeners. Throw it, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I can catch what you're throwing. <laughs> Wait, does that need a picture? Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, yep, definitely. Um, anyway, started off this story with uh, me, Dan, and Georgie all kind of with a disclaimer that none of us are particularly Mojo fans. So the story kind of started off um, with bad odds for us. So I, I really want to know, people who were previously Mojo fans, did this story do anything for you at all? Uh, you can tweet at us, you can send something on Facebook, whatever, but just let us know. Like, If you love Mojo, did this story, was it, was it good for you? Because it was not for me. <laughs> but um, I'd just be interested. I'd be interested if this is like, a good mojo story or a bad mojo story because hashtag mojo sucks. <laughs> but um Yeah man. Anyway, so this story we, we have our our X Men that we're fighting all the different versions. Um now it ends. Turns out Mojo's network can be taken out by an EMP. So when Magneto and Polaris show up, um I'm sorry, it's Magneto, isn't it, right? Um, uh, anyway, when they show up, they take out Mojo. But turns out he can't go back to Mojo World. Um, 
So he's stranded here, and he has a new a new TV channel, just a regular channel, um, and he's gonna put programming on. So that's really all you need to know. Um, there is one scene where Mojo starts to fade out, like disappear, where he looks like he's about to grab his own man boobs. Um, I will say, and this art. I thought was I thought the book looked really good. Mm-hmm. And I thought the story sucked really hard. <laughs> like yeah. I thought Colin Bunn tried really hard to be funny, and it I did not laugh. Yes. I did not laugh at all. I didn't even chuckle. I didn't even go. Huh. <laughs> like I just stared at these pages and and counted down until I was done. Um. I don't know, like, you know what you know what it feels like to me, you know, because because some people you know say what you want about Bendis, and I know you know he's on his way out onto DC, but he can be pretty snarky sometimes, right? But for the most part, in my humble opinion, most of his snark sounds like the characters talking. In this book, it didn't feel like the characters talking or having any kind of character. It felt like a bunch of char- like a bunch of cardboard standouts reading a script. Yeah. Like the jokes and the, the dialogue just felt very terse and flat and Oh, get it? <laughs> yeah, Jason, basically uh, the jokes here are completely like you can't point to a joke about how bad it is and then expect us to laugh about it. It just comes off as, as bad writing. It's not meta humor. It's just like pointing a finger at something really terrible. <laughs> like I'm not gonna laugh at that. Yeah, it's like asking people if they can smell your farts. <laughs> Maybe Colin Munn had a good time writing it, but I'm not having an enjoyable time reading it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes I wonder when I read this book if Colin Bunn enjoys his job. Um. <laughs> I wonder because you know you and I both love the Magneto book he was on. And right. I'm wondering if a lot of this is because he doesn't have any creative say in what he gets to do with the the team or what storylines come up or what they have to tell. So uh, you know, it felt very much like his Magneto book. He got to have to run up the show. He got to pick what they wanted to do. There are some event tie-ins, but in general, it was. He had the story he wanted to tell, and he was able to push through. This it feels like. All right, next is Mojo, and you're gonna have to just come up with the Mojo story. And next we'll do this story. Just so come up with it. But I don't feel anything like. What's the plot? What's what's happening? I don't feel any drive behind it. Right. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see when we get you know a little bit later in the episode. We'll talk about the uh, opening chapter of the next arc, which I'm pretty sure is all. Colin Bun. So we'll see if, if that plays any better or not. Um, but yeah, no, it, I don't know. It just this book just you know part of it, it couldn't just be. It's just not a just no way to make a good story here. I don't know. Um, but like I said, I really enjoyed the art. Um, not as much the Monjo part with the, the really like spaced out gummy teeth, but everything else I thought was really good. There's a lot of really cool stuff with Shadow too. 
Uh, Matt Mia did a great job with the colors. There's a, I think a couple of standouts. Um, you can add some if you want, but uh, the double page spread, even though there's a little too many word balloons on it, but I thought like, uh, you know, our Wolverine character, Jimmy Hudson, looked really great, and Old Man Logan kind of flying through the air, um, looked pretty cool, and, and Gene with a TK punch. I thought that was a great page. Um, there's a part um, where Cyclops and, oh, is it Nightcrawler? Who is it? Um, yeah, Cyclops, Nightcrawler, and Bloodstorm are, like, all in, in shadow with some, like, color outlines, which really cool. Uh, yeah, that's my favorite panel for sure. Yeah, and right up there with it is the one in Danger Shooting Mojo. I thought that was a great panel, and then, you know, Magneto and Polaris with their, which I don't know, I, I just thought the fact that Mojo, like, if all it took to beat Mojo was an EMP, then why was this six parts? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, because they needed it to be six parts. No, there's no reason at all. Um... All right. Anyway, any other any other thoughts on X Men Blue number fifteen? Because I I don't want to turn into it. Number one, uh, art wise, as you mentioned, the book's pretty good. There are a couple of, of places where Art Adams does he does like an anime eye with a lot of the women uh, that that I just don't enjoy. Um, you'll see it in a double page spread in the bottom right corner with, with Kitty's big eyes and. Uh, it happens a lot with, with Gene as well that I just don't enjoy. Right. But otherwise, the artwork is great, uh, relatively speaking. Um, and the other thing to, to you know point out here is that now people know that Magneto is still alive. Oh, true. Was, uh... Right, so um, there's a... Oh, the other bad part is Kitty going crazy at Magneto. Too bad, yeah. Cause she's one of my favorite X Men, and I haven't haven't liked her in a while, as far as what they're doing with her. Um, At least Colossus looks great. Oh yeah, it was great in this book. You know, it's funny you mentioned the anime thing. Uh, definitely an influence on Molina. Um, there's that scene where uh, everything is kind of calming down, and Iceman looks like a little anime boy. I thought that was really funny. Um, I always was like straight out of like Voltron. Um, it's like the second to last page, I think. Where you got Angel okay. and Beast and Iceman standing there, and Iceman looks like a little kid. Um, oh, yes, he does. He totally does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, Hank looks like a 40 year old man. <laughs> right. But, yeah, and uh, when Magneto and Polaris and Danger show up, Polaris looks. Like straight out of like uh, adults, like a late night Cartoon Network show. Um, yes. But um, but other than that, I thought I thought the the art was pretty good. I thought the colors were great. The color work I thought was fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah, to be fair, I was just nitpicking. Like, there's no real yeah. big issues with the right. All right. Well, how much is the art worth to you? What are you gonna grade X Men Blue number fifteen? Uh, 
for uh, just because it's, it's kind of middle of the road that the artwork was was fine I, I'm kind of happy that the book is over which might color this a little bit more positive <laughs> so I, I think I'll, I'll go with a three okay cool right down the middle yep all right, well, I'm going to give it two out of six claws and all for the art. I hated this story and never want to read it again. <laughs> well, speaking of, speaking of stories wrapping up, we're finally getting to the end of this Hunt for Weapon H uh, storyline. We're going to move on to Weapon X number 11. What do we got, Georgie? Weapon X number 11. Yeah. Like two months ago. Yeah, it's it's pretty pretty long in the tooth. kind of new too um is by uh david nakayama dna um who's been doing some marvel covers it's very stylized and you know you mentioned it's different from the inside it's also very different than the covers for this book have been on this story oh, yeah. um, right. we kind of go from that photorealistic kind of subtle coloring to like this bombastic, just very stylized cover, but I, I enjoy it for the most part. Domino's legs are kind of weird, but that's forgivable. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's what's really refreshing. It's like a, a Cartoon Network sort of animation. It's very thick outlines to it. It looks very cartoony in the action. It's, it's much more fun to look at, uh, even if the story inside is very enjoyable. <laughs> right. I mean, you can got like the ninja being like knocked back. Uh, the background, his legs are akimbo flying in the air. It feels very like cartoony. Yeah, yeah. Warpath getting getting stuff handed to him. Oh, that's him. Oh, I just thought it was a random. Like, <laughs> random I'm pretty sure that's Warpath. He has a knife. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, for this issue of Up Next, we have writers Greg Pak and Fred Van Lenthe. Artist is Mark Borstel and Ibrahim Robertson. Colorist is Frank Darmada. Letterer is VCs Joe Caramagna. And as you mentioned, uh, the cover artist was David Nakayama. Have you seen him on anything else? Uh, yeah, he did. Um, it was kind of that out of continuity Guardians of the Galaxy story that he did. And then I know he also did some of the... Um, the generation stuff in particular, I remember he did the Captain Marvel one. Um, okay, great. Yeah. So, it's all kind of this. I mean, he definitely has a distinct 
style he does. But um, yeah, it's, it's pretty good. I'd like to see more of him. Yeah. yeah. Well, now to the crap show. Um, <laughs> where we last left off was Weapon H had his claws deep in the chest of Wolverine. And basically, uh, we spend the whole book of them just Weapon H and Weapon X teams just slicing each other. Uh, it, I mean, I've already forgotten what happened. definitely agree with everything you said uh, this the story which which started off kind of I mean it wasn't ever really great but it, it was kind of fair to midwin and it just it just it's way too long I don't understand why this story was so long um and just kind of really didn't go anywhere it's kind of the setup for this you know it's funny because Greg Pox has been all over Twitter hyping up the now, I, I'm guessing it's going to probably be a miniseries, but um, he's all about like how like complex Weapon H is going to be in this new story. Um, you know, we find out, you know, a couple of kind of, I guess, key elements. Uh, Dr. Alba controlled, you know, Weapon H by, I guess, is she? Are we assuming she's a cyborg too? With that needle in her tongue, or are we just assuming she just had that in her mouth the whole time? I kind of feel like it comes out of her tongue. Cyborg, but I, I definitely was sort of confused on whether that was, you know, she had just implanted it into her, her tongue, or, you know, questions to be hopefully never answered. I hope we never have to deal with this character. <laughs> right. We wouldn't, we wouldn't recognize her if we did, because she looks different every time. Um, yeah, they have to say her name. Yeah. So it's interesting, you know, as far as the team, you know, it's funny because when this book first started off, you know, we had, had really good things to say about it. And, and most of it was talking about the team dynamic. And I feel like that's completely been lost. Um, totally lost, yeah. What does happen here is kind of Sabretooth goes nuts. He straps uh, William Stryker's head to a nuke. Um, uh, he and Wolverine. What's that? It's like I thought he was a good saber too, but now he's just gonna like nuke a city. Right. Understand? Yeah. And then he and Wolverine fight. They cut each other up. Um, Domino has like a a weird dark gun. I don't know. There's this one. <laughs> is it in one of the movies where Wolverine rides a motorcycle and like turns around with his claw on the street? Is that from a movie? I feel like we've had that before. 
Yeah. Or maybe someone did it with a sword in a movie. I don't know. Anyway, that happens here, and war is all like... It's funny because the way they draw the... The healing factor is Sabretooth and Laura look like Frankensteins. Yeah. I mean, it looks like they have stitches, which is really weird. Um, yeah, I do not I care for that. Well. Anyway, so this Weapon H guy is destroying all the traces of his family. You kind of That conversation started off like, oh, he's going to go find his family. But he's like, no, I had to protect them from me. Um, so anyway, yeah, I don't know. I'm... I'm done. So here's, here's the question, Jason. Is it better or worse than Wolverine Origin? The movie? <laughs> you <can take> it. <laughs> yes. Uh, I love that you had to take a drink there. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I'll... I'll <laughs> that's a good question. Um, I'm going to say it's more boring. I just, nothing, nothing in this mattered at all. And the art wasn't yeah. interesting. Um, I just, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> so I guess my last question or item to bring up is, um, you know, comics creators now, they get royalties when they create new characters and those characters are used. So do you think there's maybe some, pressure on these guys to make more characters to make a little bit more money and now Weapon H has his own series so that's a little bit more scratch in uh, Big Pac's pocket or is it just am I just being cynical um I don't I don't know if it's it's about the paycheck I think that's definitely part of it I mean mm-hmm. it's like my boss always tells me you know we, he goes I love my job but if they quit paying me I'm not gonna do it <laughs> Um, um, but uh, you know um, it's funny because I I feel like there's definitely the desire to make new characters because of the royalties but also I think the legacy you know everybody wants to be the guy that creates you know the next Wolverine or Deadpool or whatever and I think also too in fact, we're about to see a whole lot of this over at DC. Um, there's that there's that itch by or that mandate, maybe the editorial mandate that we need new characters, you know, for people to have something to to be interested in. Um, you know, you know, it's funny because I think there's I think there's this weird like balance in comics between wanting to play on nostalgia and wanting to have something brand new. Um, right. And I think Weapon H is a weird, it's almost like a weird symbol of that struggle because it's very nostalgic in that, you know, it's a cross between Hulk and Wolverine. There's the whole, like, you know, you know, parallels to Weapon X just in general, you know, but it's a quote unquote new character, which, which is weird because it doesn't feel new at all. Um, and it doesn't. No, Wolverine right. even calls it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, I, I... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if Pac is like, yeah, man, we, I can introduce this character and have a miniseries and 
hope it sells well and, you know, put that towards my retirement. But I think also just the idea of, well, if this takes off, you know, I'll be the guy that made it. Um, and I don't know if it still is, <laughs> you know, now the story's wrapped up. Um, for a while there, you know, the, the first appearance of Weapon H was uh, going for a nice little pretty penny on eBay. So, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think people are liking it more than we are. So. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. But I wonder if they really like the story or if they just like the idea. You know, I don't know. All right, well, um, anything you want to say artwork or story-wise, or you just want to give it a grade? Very, very bland. Mm-hmm. Or is, since Dan's not here, as he would say, it's all very beige. Yes, it is very beige. All right, well, I'm going to give um, it... Oh, go ahead. What are you going to say? No, no, please, please. Yeah, I'm going to give it... I'm going to stick... You know, part of me feels like I need to go a little bit higher because it's better than the Mojo story, but I don't know if it really is. I'm gonna give Weapon X number or Weapon X. <laughs> Whoops, not that serious yet. Uh, Weapon X number eleven. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with two out of six claws. I'm right there with it, but two. It's not like terrible, awful. It's just boring and pointless. Um, I just I hope we get a new artist with the next storyline because I'm not really enjoying. Yeah, I don't know if we do or not. I'm not. I, I I don't generally like nuke stories, so we'll see. Um, I, I yeah. I don't. I don't know if this book's gonna do it for me much longer, but um, we we will see. But um, hey, out with the old and with the new old. Um. <laughs> X-Men Gold number 16 is The Negative Zone War Part 1. Written, of course, by Mark Guggenheim. Penciled by Lan Medina. Inked by Jay Shh, listen, and Craig Young. Uh, colors by Frank Martin and Andrew Crossley. Letters by VCs Corey Pettit. Woohoo! Woohoo! And cover is by Ken Lashley and Juan Fernandez. Now, I will say, we have not been very high on on Ken Lashley recently on the podcast. Okay. But, but I kind of like this cover. Oh, wow. Yeah, you're going to... I figured you'd probably... We, we, this would probably be a point of contention. Um, oh, what but, do you like about it? Um, I like the colors. I kind of like your sure. uniforms. I don't know why Professor X is walking around on the bottom. Um, exactly. And I don't know who that other person even is. <laughs> Our female character. Is that uh, is that armor, I guess? I don't know, man. Is this going to connect? Is this an interconnecting cover? I feel like there's more to this this cover than we're seeing. That's how I think Colossus looks cool. And... Sure. I think Storm looks all right, and while I don't think it looks like Wolverine, I kind of think if you if you pretend it's a different character, that the old man Logan looks kind of cool. (laughs) 
Han er lige... You know, you know what old man Logan looks like? You know what Ken Lash was... At least he's not looking like a vampiric gorilla anymore. But, um... Uh-huh. He reminds me, if you read, like, early image books, almost uh, all yeah. of them had a character who was, like, the super spy, like, Nick Fury ripoff, and they all had Wolverine sideburns. This looks like one yeah. of those guys. It does. Uh, I I don't really enjoy this cover, especially with the the Asian woman whose head is like incredibly misshapen in, in drawing. Like it, it it like I can't not look at it because it's so like weirdly shaped. Uh, <laughs> and I don't know what as you mentioned is that is that Professor X because we have hints in the other books that he's he's coming back as well. I don't I don't think it's horrible cover, but. There are, I have issues. I, I do like, okay, how about these, are these, are these yeah, the Acolyte uh, outfits? That's what it kind of looks like. Similar in, in tone, for sure. I I don't know yeah. if we've seen this exact outfit before. Um, but yeah, it re, it's very reminiscent of the Acolyte, for sure. I, kind of, I mean, I like the uniforms, and as you mentioned, the colors are, are nice, and the, the sort of negative zone. Uh, background is in, in, interesting at least to think of alright this could be a space story that might be fun to put the X-Men back in space but I'm not really that enthused by this cover fair enough well let's see if it is fun to put the X-Men back in space oh wait that doesn't happen yet nope. <laughs> uh, so uh, Kitty Pride goes on a TV show she argues with that old lady um then she hooks up with Colossus. They get it on. Um, old man Logan um, changes jackets inexplicably mids panels. Um, his jacket keeps changing over and over again. Um, the artist just can't can't stay with one jacket. Um, all right, so Nightcrawler has had some, you know, maybe a little bit different style over the ages. Why is he wear? Why does he? This is not Nightcrawler. He's wearing like one of those lame like flannels with the hood attached, but the sleeves are ripped off. Yeah, it's really trashy. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, so some guys. The way his hair is drawn, and it's like all greasy and like just coming down. It feels very like I, I, you know, parted for that. I don't know if this is you know mean to say or inspired, but it feels very trailer trash the way that he's drawn. Maybe. This artist can't decide if he wants to do the movie tattoos or not, either. Oh, yeah. Please, no. Yeah, but anyway, there's a friendly uh, a friendly protest. Um, but then somebody shows up from outer space, and they're looking for Wizard Trump. And they have trouble finding him. Rachel gives Kitty a hard time for sweeping with Colossus. Um... The spaceship shows up and shoots shit. Um, again, old man Logan, the fur keeps falling on and off of his jacket. Uh, the aliens take everybody out. They kidnap. Who they kidnap? Uh, Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler and, and Kitty. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. And Old Man Lundgren wakes up and says, we're going to effing get them back. Uh-huh. Next, the negative zone. But this is negative zone part one. Shouldn't this be like the setup? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Anyway. All right, so a couple of things I wanted to talk to you about. So, how do you feel about Kitty and Colossus getting back together? It feels a little bit forced, uh, to be honest. Oh, no, it's, it's terrible writing. But how do you feel about the idea? <laughs> like, like, do you ship them or not? Um, um, I feel complicated about it because I feel like they're bringing them together just because in a lot of ex-fans' minds, they or a couple, like they were meant to be sort of a, right. uh, an idea just from like the eighties. But I don't, I don't feel it with them. Uh, I don't feel like any, uh, attraction between the characters. Right. No chemistry. So, one might say no chemistry at all. I just feel like, Hey, we put these, what should be good looking people, but drawing kind of right. poorly into a hotel room together and just <laughs> have sex. Right. Well, Kenny's even like, Here's a hotel key. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Let's go to the bone zone. Um, the bone zone. Yeah, but but to be fair, let's not be too hard because I I'm pretty sure that Martin Guggenheim is physically incapable of writing chemistry, and so they just made me a little too a little too high to expect that in the book. Um, yeah, I don't know. You know, it's funny because. There is definitely the ex-nostalgia factor, like you said. Um, mm-hmm. Part of me, I don't like the way Guggenheim is doing it because it makes Colossus feel pathetic. Like, yeah. oh, please, kitty, please, do any, I'll do anything. Just just get back to me. Um, and Kitty's like, okay, I'll play with you a little bit. And I, I don't like that because I like Colossus. Um, but I also really like Kitty. And there's also... As as much nostalgia as there is between them, there's a part of me that never forgave Colossus for his uh, stupid secret war girlfriend <laughs> back in the world. And I kind of never wanted them to get back together after that. So, so let's pretend, and I, I'm sorry for even saying this out loud, let's pretend you're Mark Guggenheim. <laughs> oh, no. Like, no, t- scratch that. The, the court will uh, strike that from the record. Let's pretend you have an X book. Let's just pretend you're writing your own cool X book that, that people like to read. Um, All right. Who, out of any character in the Marvel Universe, who would you like to see Kitty with? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. That's a tough one. I... No, part of, it, it's hard because this Kitty doesn't feel like Kitty. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't feel any fun or like excitement. She just feels <laughs> like wait she, she's like stressed all the time and just constantly right. yelling at people. Yeah. No, I'm pretty sure this uh, this kitty should be with cable, but we don't we don't want that. <laughs> yeah, no. That no, that works, yeah. <laughs> with cable. But I, I don't know, you spring the question on me. I'm not sure what I would do with it, you know, right away. Right. Um I don't know. I wouldn't mind. You know, this is this is kind of out there because it breaks up two classic X Men relationships. I wouldn't mind seeing her have a fling with like Gambit. Um, 
But, you know, I, I still kind of like and wish they might go back to uh, her and Star-Lord together. I thought that was kind of fun. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed that, but it's it's hard for them to go right back to that even right. if I wanted to, right? Yeah. Actually, I kind of like maybe Kitty being single for a while. Well, but you know what I want? I want her to have, what's, what's the female version of a bromance? Oh, I don't know. But well, yeah, I want, her to, her, I want her back together with Liliana. So there you go. Yeah. Or, or heaven forbid, let Storm do something in this book and let them have a really good friendship. Wouldn't that be awesome? One in it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, just just for the record, if you want to read Good Storm, go read Black Panther. She's kicking ass over there. Right. And that book is great. <laughs> so, go check it out if you're great. not. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, you know, I said something a few issues ago when this guy was a guest artist and I thought it was a step up for the book. Mm-hmm. I do not think that this issue, I thought this art was pretty shitty. Um, yeah. Just ugly. I don't like it. And, and I normally like Frank Martin a lot. I don't care for the colors in this book either. Yeah. Everything just seems really... Too much red. Too much red going on in this book. I don't know. But I just thought it was an ugly book and a terrible story. <laughs> yeah. You know, halfway through the book, I was like, oh, wait a second. What the happened to that alien dude? Did we... Did we finish up that story? I can't remember. And then, and then, like, the next page, he was there. I'm like, oh, he's back. <laughs> I can't believe this guy's here again. Right. Yeah. yeah. Pretty annoying. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, part of me just wants to quit reading this book altogether. And just right. say, and then, if, if Guggenheim isn't more of a, like, a slave to, uh, Nostalgia that we get the X Mansion gets like tore up again. Oh, yeah. Just kind of uh, an ongoing construction bill at that place. But, um, you know what it is, Jason? I just figured it out. I'm not best of kind of guy. Like, when I like bands, I don't buy the best of record. Like, I, I get the, the CDs or the albums or however you want to phrase it. I just get the album and listen to that. Or I, I just, if I have the catalog, I might listen to a couple songs here and there, but I'm not a best of hits kind of guy. Yeah. This feels like someone trying to do the best of without actually understanding what the band is really about. <laughs> you know what I buy best of albums of? Oh, let's hear it. Bands I don't really like. Right, no, no, exactly. <laughs> But see, the problem is, I love the X-Men. At least in theory. Yes. This podcast may make yeah. it sound like I don't, but I really do. <laughs> I will listen to, like, Simon and Garfunkel best of, but I would never buy one of the regular albums. Oh, no, 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 not, you should. Yeah. Well, there's a couple of really oh, good I, ones. But um, but I, I get what you mean, though. I get what you mean. Um. <laughs> Right. Band, I want to take a deep dive in. Right. Um, 
Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. This is, uh, I don't know. I, oh, no. Did we just get, did you take a look at the letters page? The letters page? Uh-oh. Did someone mention the podcast? <laughs> go listen to the podcast of Ghost Nick. They hate you. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. About the, um, about the Kitty Kurt romance. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I said that wrong. Yeah. Where he goes, actually, actually, Nathan, the Rachel-Kurt relationship, Rurt, Rachel, no, quit doing that, um, takes this inspiration from Uncanny X-Men number 450. A very deep cut, I know. Check it out. Did he sound like any more of a douche? Talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Guggenheim show. There you go. Uh-huh. All right. Well, uh, I'm done with this. Yeah, let's quit. <laughs> I, I don't want to turn into a complete bitch fest. Um, I give X Men Gold number 16 one out of six claws. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, this is this is a complete mess all around. It's unenjoyable to read. I didn't like any of the art. Uh, yeah. I hated it. I hated it and should probably quit reading it. Um, yeah, I don't know. What's, what's great about that book is that you realize by comparison, you know what, actually blue, not so bad. Not so bad. You know what I'm a little bit interested in? Um, is Because you know Kurt's going to be leaving, Nightcrawler's going to be leaving this book. He's going to be on red. And so I'm kind of interested to see how he departs. But I know it's not going to be. I've heard that he's not leaving. No, 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 no. I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe I'm wrong, but I thought, I thought someone... I thought oh, someone man. Someone said, actually, he's going to be in both books. Georgie, you just ruined my night. <laughs> <laughs> Time to take another swig from the bottle. Yep. Here's some SoCo and Coke going down the, the jugular. Is that right? <laughs> that doesn't sound right. The old the gullet, the old guzzle. I don't know. Take a, take a shot down the jugular. That standard phrase that everyone uses. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right. Well. No, but it's all right. I think your brain's obviously scrambled by some awful comics, so it's understandable. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> all right. Well, um. Let's move on to X-Men Blue. We get a double dose of blue. We double down on blue today, or tonight. Um, yeah. So, X-Men Blue number 16. What do we got, Georgie? Uh, this is part one in the cross-time capers. I guess there's, there's more than one caper. There's capers. It's an S. Mm-hmm. So, uh, on the front cover, we've got uh, Professor X in the middle, and there's some sort of, like, hypno-beam. Uh, <laughs> protruding from the background with the the X the original X Men falling falling into it, and you know what I really notice is the the coloring uh, is very different, um, and maybe the inking as well from what we previously had for Art Adams. So actually, this this is a int- very interesting cover for me. What, what did you think? I actually love this cover quite a bit. I guess yeah. Of this episode, it's probably my favorite cover. Um, 
I think it's really interesting. Um, I love the color work. Um, I don't know what part Ian, this Ian Heron guy plays in the cover, but his contribution is much appreciated, whatever it was. Because, yeah. I mean, the art's fine. Art Adams, I mean, I like him. You know, I didn't care for that Mojo cover so much, but, but I like him a lot, and this cover's really good, but, but it definitely looks different. Like, it doesn't scream Art Adams to me. And you can no, tell really, it's really him. I like this cover. It's just like it's, it's kind of like faded or been like washed a little bit. Like right. Like a little bit yeah. off. But it... I, I like it. It has, a, it has a BBC feel to it. In a good way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. This is nice. It, it almost feels like an old comic book that has been faded a little bit and you pick yeah. it up from like the 80s and 90s. Right. Like, oh, the color's faded, but I kind of like it this way. Yeah. Uh, I think I think it's really cool. Um, I, I it gave me some a little bit of hope for the issue. We'll we'll see if that yeah, lasts. No, for sure. We'll see if that lasts or not. <laughs> well, um, uh, for this issue, we have Colin Brunn as the writer. Uh, for artist, we have Tony Silas. Or uh, color artist, we have Rain and Barreto. Letter is VCs Joe Caramagna, and cover artist is Arthur Adams and Ian Herring. So um, in this book, we've got a new artist uh, that we haven't seen before with a very distinct art style, um, which at first I took a, a big notice to, but then I started to realize that it's a, a case of the same face, like everyone has the same face. Um, so it's a little bit sad, but it, I thought the artwork was, was interesting to look at. Um, but story-wise, uh, we have... Uh, Magneto is being contacted by Professor X for some unknown reason. Um, and then we jump to Scott Summers' Bloodstorm on the roof, which was maybe my favorite part of the book. Uh, like this dynamic with them talking about what they have in common and what they're dealing with was actually kind of interesting for me. Um, then we realized that the X-Men have to go back to where they came from because reasons. <laughs> um, so we spend a couple of, of pages of them just like hopping through time until um, at the end they wind up in the future in 2099 with the X-Men of 2099 staring back at them, which is, that was just kind of a quick rundown of the plot, but, um, you know, what did you think of, of the plot at least? Um, so interesting to a degree. I mean, we've. Kind of, you know, it's funny. It's ever since, you know, Bendis kicked off all new X-Men, we kind of dipped our toes in several times on whether, you know, these characters can really stay here. And, oh, they're, they're breaking the timeline. But, you know, not really. Um, and so I feel like Bun, you know, part of me is like, okay, we're finally dealing with this. But part of me is also like, no, they're just going to tease us again. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I think it's interesting, you know, I'm going to admit maybe it's just my disinterest in the last couple of storylines, but the whole, like, Gene being jealous of this potential relationship between Scott and Bloodstorm took me 100% by surprise. I'm like, they're a thing? Are they supposed to be a thing? Is that is that, is that something we've read already? Because I don't remember. Um... 
But I did like the con- you know the rooftop conversation was interesting. Um, yeah. You have the obligatory nod to the last storyline where, where Iceman's watching Mojo TV and he's like, "Oh, we should probably do something about this." <laughs> um, you know our Wolverine moment where Polaris is is giving old Jimmy Hudson some tough love. It's kind of eh. You know, I thought the Gene Beast thing was kind of interesting. Um, but Magneto being, I don't know, contacted by Professor X from the past somehow? I don't know. I don't really understand. But he's like, I built a time machine. Here's, here's the thing. Shouldn't this have already been fixed with Secret Wars? Like, they had, like put everything back in order. It, I just figured, okay, so the timeline, we don't have to worry about that anymore because they've already... They, they, they did like the, the paste over everything was fixed is what I had assumed yeah I don't know I mean I guess something's going going major wrong but because Magneto saw something and they're like that's not supposed to happen um uh, I don't I don't know um alright so at the end we, we end up with them in, in 2099 so I guess have to ask you, what's your background with the 2099 sort of series? Did you read any of it? Are you interested in these characters? Um, no. <laughs> that's, that's a short answer. Uh, so I, I, I bought a little bit of the 2099. So 2099 uh, started coming out right when I kind of took my first break from comics. So I bought some of the Spider-Man and I bought a couple of issues of some of the books. Um, I remember kind of liking Doom for three or four issues, um, but I don't really remember what happened. Um, I remember thinking the Punisher was stupid. Um, and I don't think I bought any of the X-Men one. Like, I don't think I've read a single panel of X-Men 2099. Um, Me neither. And so I have no like nostalgia for it. I'm really worried that this book is, you know, the title automatically, as an ex-fan, makes you think of the good but way too long Excalibur story. Uh, which story is that? Was it actually called Cross Time Caper or was it called something else? Um, it was a very... Yeah. It was a very similar, if not exact, title. Um, it was like 14 parts or something like that, or maybe even longer. Um, Whoa. Yeah. And, but anyway, it, it was the Excalibur team hopping through different timelines and dimensions, and parts of it were really interesting. Uh, there was a really cool Nightcrawler-focused story in one of those. Um, and then parts of it were just kind of dumb. Um I don't know. I have a feeling that you know we just we just bounced off of the Mojo story, where they played like you said the greatest hits. What I don't want is like six or more parts of you know the alternate timeline greatest hits. Um, and I, I'm worried that's what we're gonna get. You know, yeah, you know, I thought it was really interesting because they talk about a reference the story where they tried to go back and they were still there. 
And so they're like, oh, well, everything must be okay. It's not our timeline. Um, and it looks like maybe it is somehow. Something else is going on. So I, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I used to say that I trusted Cullen Bunn. I'm not sure I do anymore. <laughs> um, That's how I feel, too. He's got he's to earn it back a little bit. And, yeah, I don't know. Uh, 2099 doesn't do anything for me one way or the other because um, I just don't really have the history with it. Um, right. I know I hate the future curse words. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, um... Oh, yeah. It was like Flarkin or... No, that's Rocket Raccoon. Um, I don't, I don't remember what it was. It, yeah. But it was it was stupid. I, I hate that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I hate when they do that, yeah. You know, because people have been saying the same F word for, you know, a long time. Yeah. No, it's not going to change. <laughs> yeah, hundreds of years, yeah. Yeah. So... Um, I've always been interested in the X-Men of 2099, but not interested enough to ever read them. So this will be interesting for me to to dip my toe in and see what I I feel about them. I always loved Spider-Man 2099. I thought that book was great, uh, at least when Peter David was writing it. Um, You can get like the old trades for like really cheap. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. All right. Well, I think the other big thing we need to talk about is the artist for this book. Right. Well, first, this is a I just want to say the X Men 2099 have some dumbass names. Yeah. All right. So, anyway, art. So, you, you thought it was interesting. Interesting, good, or interesting, bad? I'm still undecided, actually. There are, <laughs> sometimes there are panels where I'm like, okay, that's visually intriguing to look at and think about and then there are other ones I'm like oh no don't do that um like this one where, where Magneto is, is jumping in the air and his hair is sort of waving to one side and it's, it's blurred in the back and his body is all weirdly proportioned um it just looks rough but there yeah. are other panels that that I really do enjoy so I'm not I'm not really certain how I feel about this artist what panels did you enjoy I hated this art. <laughs> I did not care for it at all. Not, not, I, I thought the art kind of sucked. Um, the exception being, I liked the page with no people on it, um, <laughs> where, the, where the time machine disappears. I thought that whole page looked pretty cool. Um, right. I don't like his figures. I don't like his faces. Um And it's this weird, like, sketchy... I don't know. There's this weird... I'm going to make a comparison that would make it sound like I should like it, but then I don't. So I don't understand what the disconnect is. But that there, there's that really horizontal panel of Magneto reading a book. Like, on the first page. That looks almost like 
Batman animated series. And so that sounds like a good thing, right? Because that that's art's great. But no, I don't I don't like any of it. <laughs> no, it feels much more like um, uh, what's not not Batman Forever, uh, Batman animated series that's in the future. Oh, um, uh, Batman Beyond. Yeah, which is a, a, a book, which is a TV series that I really enjoyed. Actually, um, it feels more like that to me. Okay. All the characters like. This, this is our, our sexy time episode. What do you think, or do you hope that, that Scott and Bloodstorm get together? So, I didn't feel like it was necessarily a romantic conversation they were having on the roof. I didn't either. Like, yeah, which I, I like that as, as it's progressing naturally. So I could see it working out. I'm not really a Scott Gene kind of guy. I'm a Scott Emma guy. I thought they worked much better together. So, um, it might be interesting to see. Yeah, it could be. It was weird how jealous Gene seemed of it, but... Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Alrighty. My favorite panel of the book was probably when they went to the wedding. (laughs) Oh, I I do like that panel that you noticed that both Gene and Bloodstorm are like, huh? Right, right. Um... <laughs> that and I like the panel where they appear in front of Apocalypse. It's like you should not be here. Right, that was interesting. I was yeah. like, is that because they jumped into his base and he's like, no, <laughs> like this is the wrong, this is the wrong time. You shouldn't be here. Like I right. wasn't sure what he, point of view he was coming from, but yeah, I just I like that response. Yeah. Not, not get out of here or I'm going to kill you. You should not be here. <laughs> right. It's a weird response. This is wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, well, what would you like to give X-Men Blue number 16? Sweet 16. I'm right there with you, which means I have gone <laughs> four for four so far with two out of six claws. This is not not my week or two weeks or however long it's been. Um, yeah. Well, so no Wolverine to mention, but let's talk about something a little more fun. <laughs> Gene Gray number nine, we have Psych War. Uh, part two, right? Something like that. Yes. Um, written by Dennis Hopeless, art by Victor Ibanez, color by J. David Ramos, letters by V.C. Travis Lanham, 
And the cover is by David Yarden with graphic design by Jay Bowen and Anthony Gambino. On the cover, we have Emma on a almost Salvador Dali type chessboard with diamonds and stuff. And then there's like a a phoenixy statue of young Jean. Um, that was interesting that Emma is wearing Jean's jacket. Yeah, exactly. What do you think of the cover by Mr. Yarden? What, what I like is this uh, conceptually ties into what the book's about, which I think is maybe what covers should try to do. I feel like a lot of the old Miles Morales covers used to do that, where you'd see a cover and be like, that didn't happen in the book. But then you look at it more and be like, oh yeah, this is describing the dynamic of the characters, even if this actual fight didn't happen, this is how they feel. And that's how I feel about this book. There's no, not telling a story, but it's telling how the characters feel and their juxtaposition against each other. And I, I really like that. Yeah. I really like the mangled phoenix claws. I thought they looked really cool. Right, right. No, it's great. I, um, maybe the second best cover that we have? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Cool. Awesome. Well, so basically, um, we have Ghost Gene and Emma arguing over young Gene who apparently passed out when she took uh, Emma's Phoenix Spark. Um, she burns up the ambulance and the hospital. They argue some more. And then they, uh, Emma takes them to the, the Cuckoo Sisters, or the Cuckoo Sisters or whatever. Um, Hope Summers shows up uh, with her junky speeder bike. Um, and she's hardcore cable style. Um, you know, it's funny, and then they show up, so Quentin's there, but the Phoenix is finally here. And so, a few highlights for me. I love Hopeless's Quentin Choir. I really enjoyed yes, him. perfectly. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Um, you know, it's funny. That's a, that's a hard needle to thread, and Dan brings it up a lot, like, you make him too snarky. Right. Absolutely hate him. Right. Perfect line between, like, Lovable and hateable. Yes, definitely. Definitely. You can't make him too much of a dick. Um, mm-hmm. I also, I thought it was interesting that, you know, this book is, you know, I've said over and over again on the podcast how surprised I am and how much I've, I've been enjoying this book. Mm-hmm. But it's weird. Same writer, right? This book reminded me why I don't like old Gene. <laughs> and how different the two characters really are, which is very interesting. Um, right. But I enjoyed em- <clears throat> excuse me, Emma in the book. Um, <clears throat> Hope was weird. You know, one of the things I really liked was when they talk about where Emma, how she couldn't let go of the Phoenix Force because she liked the power. And then, they, and then they talk about where she hid it. And Jean's like, oh, you put it in my worst memory. And Emma's kind of like, you were so narcissistic. Like, your nightmare yeah. was my romance story. I thought that was a really cool line. Um, that was exactly the line I was going to bring up. Yeah. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, I got 
got something stuck in my throat besides whiskey. Um, <laughs> um, it's interesting because part of me is like, okay, I feel like this book is being forced to dovetail into the, the Phoenix Resurrection book that's coming up. But that's definitely where we're headed. I also kind of feel like, well, maybe Hopeless just had a limited story to tell, and this is it. Like, he was tasked with, like, hey, can you get Gene from here to here? And he's like, yeah, let me do it as good as possible. And that's what he's doing. Um, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on this this issue and, and this story in general and in this series, whether it might have a kind of limited shelf life coming up? Right. So um, I totally agree with you that this book highlights why I don't like old Gene. <laughs> and like the interplay between White Queen and Gene is great. And it's, yeah, I really love White Queen keeps bringing up like these, you know, valid points. And Gene Grizzly, like, yeah, I'm bad. But you know what? Why did you do this? You're awful. I'd be like, what is wrong with Jean Grey? How, where did she get the ball high ground from? I don't understand. Um, but it's interesting to see them, you know, go at each other about, about you know, this is about a number of things. This is about Jean Grey, you know, constantly beating White Queen in every fight. Uh, this is about some of the love triangle. This is about, you know, so much like pain from their history together. This is, like those two characters playing off each other are wonderful. I'm so glad that they're they're telling this story, and and, and maybe you're right. Maybe this is only to get Gene to young Gene to when old Gene comes back. And I still have this terrible feeling that they're going to get rid of young Gene, um, which would be so disappointing. But uh, the story's been told so well. Um, you know, I had a, a Twitter argument today with, not really an argument, uh, but I think his name is Dan Tween on Twitter, and he was like, this is the best book, and I was like, Iceland, the best book. We're <laughs> back and forth. But, but at the end of the day, we're both like, you know what, these are great books. And right. so, like that, that's the kind of argument I would have. No, this writing is better. No, this writing is better. <laughs> like, we're both enjoying the books. That was, that was, that was lovely. Yeah. Um, so I just, I want this to continue on as much as possible. Um, and I, you know, it just proves that Dennis Hopeless is uh, a really good writer, at least for single characters. Definitely. Yeah. So I, I have a question because when Hope Summers came forth, it was when I took a, a little bit of break from comics. So what I know is that she's the first born after No More Mutants, right? Right. But the Summers name, is she like, Got Summer's kids, or is this something happened, or, or what's the deal? No, so, um, yeah, so when, when, <coughs> excuse me, when Bishop unexplicably went to psychotic murderer, just kind of out of nowhere because they needed him to, um, so Cable took baby Hope and escaped into the timeline, and so they jumped around from, from time to time trying to stay a step ahead of Bishop. And so Cable pretty much raised Hope, and so he gave her the name Hope Summers. Um, and then she kind of embraced that. Now, I don't remember... Now, I couldn't really remember where she ended up. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know if she knows like what's going on with Cable or not. Um, I don't really, not really sure what her current status quo is, but she definitely comes in all hardcore. <laughs> yeah. Like she sounds like Cable's daughter. That's for sure. Um, Yeah. It was uh, it's a masterfully written book. Yeah. No, definitely. It, even um, even Quentin and Emma, who both kind of have almost a certain amount of bitchiness to them, sound right. individual. Which I thought, you know, that that's the that's the show of a good writer is that you can take two very similar characters and still make them sound unique. Um, sure. Yeah. You know, if you read if you read too much '90s X-Men, there's some times where Wolverine and Cable fight, and they're both tough guys. And some of those, some of the times, it just sounds like one person talking to themselves. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and um, you know, and here, you know, even when characters are similar, they sound like their own person. And I think that's that's a very high compliment to Hopeless and the way he writes, and how he just delves into characters, and not care. You know, it's one thing to say. Oh, we really understand Gene because he's been writing her the whole series. But even characters that kind of just pop in and out of the book sound oh, yeah. like they're in the world and, and they're their own person. And I don't know. I just, I'm really impressed with, with Hopeless's story, both with the, the plot and the characterization. You know, looking back on the previous issues, Doctor Strange felt very different than everyone. Like, he felt like a Doctor Strange character. Right. felt like Thor. It was like these were the real, these were the real interactions that you like with the Marvel universe. I don't right. mean like a big crossover event, but oh, wait, Thor's going to show up in this book, and he's going to like I've never seen these two characters really interact before. Oh, that was fun. Yeah, that's the kind of crossover oh. I want. So it's you know I'm worried this book is not going to continue or, or what's going to happen, but I'm just going to try and enjoy it as much as I can until until January. <laughs> right. Exactly. So I think we've uh, we've waxed poetic about hopeless. What do you think of uh, Abanez's art in this book? Um, you know, for me, the reason that Iceman tends tend to outshine uh, Gene is that the artwork on Iceman has been consistently better uh, than this. And I I don't feel like this is bad at all, but it's not it's not hitting. It's not. It doesn't feel top tier to me. Um, it just feels. Maybe it's a style thing, but this wasn't—I wasn't feeling it. I I liked it, but didn't love it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I've I've been kind of up and down on Ibanez through his career. Um, mm-hmm. you know, his first arc on this book I thought was the best work he's ever done, and I don't think he's quite hitting that same level right here. But I still enjoyed it. Um. Like you said, definitely, no, no, no. definitely nothing wrong with it. Like you said, but um, but it's not quite that like grand slam, that you know. Yeah, no, that's what I mean. There's nothing bad, and there's some enjoyable panels, and just some of the way you know hope in her bunker with her like penis shaped ship as she was <laughs> flying off. Like there's there's some interesting stuff happening. Uh, it's just the 
Right. I will say I didn't like, and this is a weird nitpicky thing that I probably should just ignore and not even give it give it speech time. I thought it was interesting in, in a book that looks very kind of modern sensibilities and is very kind of you know flattering art. I thought it that first panel of Hope in the Bunker, I thought her butt was weirdly accentuated, like almost in a 90s kind of way. But um, other than that, I thought the colors were pretty good. I like uh, what the colors did. I like the last panel. I thought the phoenix looked pretty cool. So, mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Well, we've been slogging through some books. We know this is better. How much better do you think it is? What are you going to give Jean Grey number nine? Um, I think this is a, a five for me. I've been grading it this way. Three is standard, two is subpar, one is really terrible, four is above average, five is really good, and six is, like, amazing. Right. It's really good to me. There's, it's not like, oh, my God, this is the best comic, six out of six, but it's like, this is really, really good. I want more uh, art. Even if, it's, as I mentioned, the art isn't a super standout, but it's nothing to, you know, shake your fist at either. So, <laughs> right. Um, five out of six. Awesome. I kind of, I was on the fence between a really high four and a low five, but I'm, I'm going to go with you. I think, I think ultimately I landed in, in a good place and maybe it's just by comparison <laughs> to what else we read, but um, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely willing to give this five out of six claws. It's, it's a little on the lighter side of five, but um, I, th- I think a five is fair. Cool. Well, that's the comics we read, our X-Men Blues. Um, you know, Dan brought something up on Twitter today, and since he's not here, we'll talk about it. Um, you know, in the, in the conversation <laughs> with a little bit more fun, um, there's going to be a new Mutants miniseries coming up. What are your What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't really reading comics when New Mutants was a thing, so um, it'll be interesting to see them, them back. I think we were talking a lot about the lineup. So uh, maybe you want to let us know who, who's on the team, or at least who's on the front cover. Yeah, so on the cover, and by the way, uh, Stegman uh, did a nice job on the cover. Of course, I'm, I'm a Stegman fan. But, um, oh, gosh, who was it? It was Guido. It was Boom Boom, or whatever her, her name is. Um, right. Her name changed in the 90s. I don't remember what it was. But, um, oh, gosh, now I can't remember. Uh, Richter, we think. With the green hands. Um, oh gosh, who else? Wolf's Bane, Magic. Who am I missing? I feel like I'm missing somebody. I, lo- I don't have the image up. That might be it. Okay. But yeah, I, I okay. think. We were asking where's, where's Cannonball, and we were asking who else were we asking? Uh, Sunfire, about? yeah. Who have both been in a U.S. Avengers. Um, and then, you know, one of our friends was so kind to point us that they're going to be in the, uh, uh, what's it, uh, no, no, back, don't back down the Tom Petty song? No, uh, no surrender, the Avengers crossover. Which I think is, is a fitting place for them to kind of 
finish that part of their story. Um, so we'll see if they come back after. And well, it's interesting. You know, they, they've tried a couple of times to bring the mutants back with uh, moderate success. Um, it be interesting with the movie coming out, if they try, you know, even though they don't support the movie because Marvel and Fox, rah, rah, rah. But um, be interesting if they try to have a series that, that kind of starts over or, you know, like a new ongoing once the movie's around. Um, right, that was interesting. Uh, supposedly, the uh, kind of the concept is kind of more on the supernatural side, which makes me think of the Sankavich days with, uh, you know, the demon bear stuff, which is, is the best New Mutant stuff, I think. Um, and so I'm excited about that. And, and, you know, that's kind of how the movie looks, too. Kind of that almost almost oh, yeah, supernatural, probably. kind of gothic horror, horror story, story thing. So, so if they yeah. do something with that, I think it could be pretty cool. Um, you know, the fear is that it's just set up right for a, an ongoing or whatever. And I think I think you said on Twitter, you don't want six issues of, of bringing the team together. Um, yeah, that'd be the worst. <laughs> I'm hoping in a limited series that there'll be some kind of front-to-end story that actually kind of, you know, has a conclusion, you know, to a degree. Um, uh, how much How much you, have you been reading of Rosenberg? Of what? Uh, the writer, Matthew Rose, Rosenberg, right? Isn't that his name? Yeah, I don't, I don't remember him at all, to be honest, from anything. Yeah. I've had limited exposure. I know he's writing the new, uh, speaking of which, uh, the Jean Grey resurrection story, and, you know, for all that Marvel's been pushing on Inhumans, he's had kind of the best Inhuman book with Secret Warriors. The only one I actually read. Um, and so, you know, I wouldn't say he's not my favorite writer or anything, but he's a solid writer. So hopefully he can do some good stuff. I don't, and I already forgot his name. I don't know the artist at all. So that'll be a total surprise for me. So, I don't know. And I'll definitely check it out. And see what the first issue brings to the table, and, and go from there. I'm not I'm a big Ilyana fan, so anytime she's in a book that they actually write her and let her be in the book, I'll, I'll I'll read it. Yeah. Well, she's been pretty cool in the last couple of issues of Secret Warriors, so. Awesome. You can you can check that out if you if you so uh, desire. She, she disappeared from gold. She was in gold, and then she just disappeared from it. Yeah, yeah, I'm okay with that. Everybody should disappear from gold. <laughs> mm. No, let's just let's just have Mark Goodman disappear from gold. There you go. That that's the the magician act I want to see. <laughs> but, um, so, um, Jason, are there any other books that you're reading recently that you really want to like start about? Oh, um, let me think. Um, we kind of already shouted out Black Panther. That's one of my f- favorite Marvel books right now. Um. Uh-huh. I'm trying to think of what else I've been really enjoying. Um, do, 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 do. I'm drawing a blank. I kn- there's a lot of stuff I'm liking. Uh, Thor, obviously, is is always one of the best books. Um, yeah. Not reading a whole lot of DC right now. And that's not a, oh, Marvel's better. It's just uh, not really a lot of the books that are really catching my attention right now. Um 
Super Sons would be the exception. I'm loving Super Sons. Um, yeah, that's wonderful. Uh, what else? Alright, well, let's, how about this other question? Let's, let's bring it back to Cash. What? what are you? Hints. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, what, what about you? What have you been, been really digging on? it in the theater but we will see liking it as much? Particularly the last issue was really, really good. Um, but yeah, I, I I have to read that in trade. I can't read sequences. <laughs> that. I need I need more, so I just wait and read the trades. Yeah, that, and um, it reads better Black that way, I'm sure. Yeah, Black Side is still Black. pretty good too. Legacy number one. Have we had any more legacy issues? No. I I, I thought it was going to be a miniseries. I think it was just a one shot. And I'm oh, really? really annoyed. You know. <sighs> really? Screw you, Marvel, on what they're going to do with Logan. Um, so his return, quote unquote, or like the story of his return is going to be in backups of quote-unquote key Marvel issues, which read Jason from the podcast and have to buy a bunch of Marvel books he doesn't normally buy. <laughs> which I do not like. Um, yeah. Just give it a book. Just do a legacy. And I thought, I really wanted to see more like the prehistoric Avengers and... And this like love affair between Odin and the Phoenix Force, and there were a lot of interesting elements that I thought were going to be like a full story, and I don't know where that stuff's going to be told, or if it's going to be told. Um, so I don't know. 
I feel like it'll it'll play out somewhere. Because, you know, Marvel kind of, um... Marvel kind of has, like, a rotating, like, this is the captain of the ship. You know, for, for a long time it was Bendis, and then, you know, it kind of moved on to, to Hickman, and then, you know, Spencer kind of took over. And I feel like right now Jason Aaron is the captain of the yeah, ship. That's what I and he wrote yeah. he wrote the story for Legacy, so I feel like he'll pick all that stuff up somewhere. I just don't know where it's going to be. That's, that's a shock. I thought there was like there was another book, like a mini mini series or something. I did too, and maybe there still will be. I just haven't seen anything. That's the same because I like uh, Legacy had you know Isak Rubik and Jason Aaron together again, and I was like, okay, yeah, let's have more of this. Right. Yeah. Definitely. I'll, I'll read. Uh, I think it, you mentioned it. I don't know on Twitter or on the podcast a couple of times. But when when Ribak, Ribak is is drawing Logan and he opens up the beer can and sticks it in the frost giant, <laughs> it's like, yep, it's pretty it's great. So brilliant. Yeah. Yep. So I don't know. I don't. And I don't know who's drawing the backups either. I hope it's Ribak. I haven't. I haven't heard anything though. Um, but we shall see. Well, Jason, I hope you do get to see Thor in the theaters because it was it was really fun. I hope to. I hope to. Um, we we will see. We'll see how it plays out. But um, yep. Awesome. Well, Georgie, any any closing sexy time thoughts? Um, thank you for uh, having me on late at night. I know it must be. So good deal later for you. So thanks for staying <laughs> up. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for being it's flexible. Fun. Uh, it's too bad we didn't have Dan here, but you know, there's always next month. So yeah, um, we'll get him back. I just, I, I really want to say, I, like, I, we've been doing this now for I don't know four, five, six months, but this is, this is so wonderful just to come on and talk comics with you and Dan. It's, thanks so much for having us. Honestly. Yeah, it's my pleasure. It's been it's been a lot of fun for me. Um, just to, I don't know. It's really it's really cool that you know I guess Twitter or or more so the podcast or whatever. Just the friends I've been able to make and just I'm glad to to count you and Dan among the the many friends I've made doing the show and love having you guys on and talking to y'all about other just bullshit stuff <laughs> too. So, <laughs> but um, yeah. No, it's, it's been great. So, Georgie, where can people uh, find you? You can find me online at LA Boy Toy, or you might find me at the local taco place in Santa Monica. Oh. But, uh, come on down and have some tacos. Awesome. What What's, what's your favorite taco, boys? Oh, there's a tiny taco place on the corner uh, by where I live. I can't even remember the name now, but it's like adjacent to uh, uh, a... Nice. Very cool. Very, very cool. All right. Well, as usual, uh, for the podcast that goes Snick, you can like the Facebook page. Uh, Twitter is at SnickCast. And if you want show notes, which aren't, aren't much of anything anymore, but if you desire that stuff, is at SnickCast.podbean.com. Um, yeah, I don't know what will be next, but it'll be fun. And we'll get these guys back on again. 
We'll, we'll make Dan come back after he's uh, updated his cybernetic hardware. Um, and, um, yeah, we'll go from there. So, as always, Georgie, thank you so much for, for being on the show. I appreciate it. And, uh, so much fun. Yeah. So, until next time, everybody, hugs and snicks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And snacked. <laughs>